0: Eons past, a monstrous hybrid of land and marine reptiles was sealed into a state of suspended animation, slumbering through the fall of dinosaurs and the rise of man. But awakened by an undersea nuclear test, the creature returned to life, now breathing the fires of radiation. Stan Lee presents Godzilla, King of the Monsters. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 110, Fugitive in Manhattan, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, issue number 18, cover date January 1979. Hello and welcome. Welcome back to Marvel's Cosmic Comics. I'm Ben, Ben Avery. And as I have said in the past 110 episodes or segments of the Marvel's Cosmic Comics run, I'm a comic book fan, a comic book writer, and just an overall guy who likes comic books. And specifically, I like odd comic books, strange comic books, fun comic books. And I think I have an issue here that fits the bill. Now, for those of you who are new to this feed or new to this podcast or whatever, here's what Marvel's Cosmic Comics is and what it means. Basically, Marvel publishes stuff that are superheroes and things that they create in-house. But then, every once in a while, to capitalize on the name or to promote something with someone else or to... um I mean, really, there's there's a lot of different reasons to do so. But sometimes they would publish things that are not owned by them, like Godzilla. Godzilla is a Toho production, a Japanese uh, film produce, production company. And Marvel went entered a deal with them to produce Godzilla-based comics. Now, the difference is, um, unlike, say, Star Wars, uh, this one fully embraces the fact that it is in the Marvel Universe. And we're going to find out more about that as we continue with the discussion of this particular issue. So we are kind of continuing a theme here in Marvel's Cosmic Comics with uh, Micronauts having been in the last episode. In this episode here, we're talking about another small hero. Well, sort of. I mean, the, the title character becomes small in, in this episode, in this issue. And of course, it happened last last issue. In fact, let's let's talk about last issue. I mean, let's let's recap things here. Let's what has brought us to this point here in issue number 18 of of Godzilla King of Monsters. So previously in Godzilla, Rob, not the Kenny, but totally the Kenny Takaguchi stole a giant robot called the Red Ronin. And somehow connected spiritually to this robot thing, and then crashed it in a battle. And with he also has something of a spiritual connection to Godzilla, and he tricked Godzilla, calling jo- Godzilla into a trap. Uh, that trap used PIM particles to shrink the mighty beast down to the size of a house cat, which allowed him to be captured by SHIELD. Now Dum-Dum-Dugan, meanwhile, has come around to the whole I-don't-want-to-kill-Godzilla-anymore side of things, along with Gabriel Jones, Dr. Takaguchi, Rob's grandfather, and a new scientist character named Dr. Hawkins. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, we have Agent Jimmy Wu, who is in love with Tamara Takaguchi, but has trouble expressing his love and hasn't had a chance to really have a, a good, quiet moment with her to tell her exactly how he feels. And so... Those are those are the main players here, and they are all on this great big giant shield helicar- helicarrier called the Behemoth. Now, this thing was created to carry Godzilla, but they no longer need its size because Godzilla is now, like I said, the size of a house cat. And that is where we find ourselves as we begin this issue. Fugitive in Manhattan. Uh, the writer is Doug Mensch. The uh, penciler is Herb Trimpe. Inker, Daniel Green. Letterer, Diana Albers. And colorist, <laughs> I want to say Sean Bean, but it's Ben Sean, uh, not Sean Bean. By the way, I saw a really funny meme about Sean Bean recently where basically saying you can't have it both ways. Having the Sean and the Bean and you're spelling it with the E-A-N, but they, they are pronounced differently. Uh, it was a lot funnier when I saw it. Uh, than when I explained it. So, anyway. So, we start our issue, and Godzilla is in a cage the size of a bird cage. And, but despite his size, he's still a mean something something. Uh, he attacks Dum Dum through the bars with his tiny little atomic breath and frying Dum Dum's cigar. Dum Dum is not happy about this, but someone else is more unhappy, and that's Rob. Because Rob feels like a traitor to his friend, Godzilla. Yes. Uh, He feels bad that he tricked Godzilla into a trap that caused Godzilla to be shrunk down so that Godzilla couldn't destroy things anymore. Just forget about intention. Godzilla will destroy things just by walking through things. He has probably caused the death of just a few dozen people unintentionally since the first issue. I mean, we didn't see it. uh, Although, no, there's some places where we saw things that there is no way. That people escaped that, or that everyone escaped it alive, but you know that's beside the point as far as as Rob is concerned. So Rob goes to where uh, Tiny G, not Big G, Rob goes to where Tiny G is being held, and he asks for Tiny G's forgiveness, and he tells Tiny G everything's gonna be okay, and it's almost. I almost get a um of mice and men kind of vibe from it where he's you know tell me about the rabbits, Rob. And and Rob is just kind of telling him, you know, you're gonna go to this place and it's gonna be wonderful. It's gonna be great for you, it's gonna be incredible. Um uh, Tiny G growls in response. Quote: a small, soft-throated roar of trust or hate. It's a good question. Uh, so Dum Dum's unhappy, Rob's unhappy, uh, Godzilla is unhappy. Meanwhile, there are two others who are unhappy. One is Jimmy Woo, who is uh, another of the agents here of of Shield, and the other is Tamara Takaguchi. Um, Jimmy Woo is unhappy because he just wants to tell Tamara how he feels, but can't get a chance. And he tries again. But Tamara is more worried about Godzilla and Rob and completely clueless to Jimmy's feelings. So then later, they are carrying Tiny G off the helicarrier, and you'll never believe what happens. Dr. Hawkins drops the cage, it pops open, and Tiny G pops out and into the river. This is impossible because this cage is meant to hold something like a small Godzilla, so Dum Dum Dugan, uh, deduces that someone tampered with the cage and he confronts Rob. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, go ahead and read the exchange that they have. Dum Dum says, Yeah, unless someone unfastened the spring catch. All right, Rob, you little pint sized lizard lover. Let's hear it. Did you unlock that cage? And Rob answers, I, I don't know. I thought about it, but I knew I shouldn't. It was real weird. I was talking to Godzilla and feeling sorry for him, feeling guilty, and I I went numb. Numb? Yes, I went into a trance. I just don't remember. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> Dum Dum responds, I, I think the way we all would respond or are responding if we are reading this. Of all the lame-brained excuses, well, there ain't no more time to waste. That thing's loose in the city, and there's no telling where he is by now. So, they just leave it at that, uh, and it gets left at that for this entire issue. I don't even well, we'll come back to it, but I don't know if they ever come back to it. I don't remember I mean, I've read this before, but I certainly don't remember this whole trance thing that Rob is talking about here. Is it like he's so overcome with his feelings i I don't know, I just don't know. it is weird to me anyway, dum dum's right, they don't they don't have any time to waste. They don't know actually if they have 24 hours or 24 days before tiny G becomes big G once more. Uh, The PIM particles have been used on humans. So they're able to know how it would work on humans and what kind of, of timing we have here. But for tiny G it's, it's a guess. And, They have to find him, and they have to find him soon. So while the team makes plans, Tiny G makes a break for it, and Rob does too. He fakes an alarm, so some S.H.I.E.L.D. agents will run away from the door where he needs to go so he can go in to this door, steal some diving equipment, and jump off the helicarrier into the river himself. This is the best way he can make an escape. And, yeah, (laughs) Rob... We're going to talk about Rob. Anyway, Tiny G is making his way through the busy city streets and he finally finds his way into the sewer. And we get a battle because he is confronted by another monster a rat. Now, the battle is only two pages, actually, two and a half pages if you include the death scene. But Tiny G emerges victorious, of course. And then Tiny G hears a familiar voice. It's Rob. And Tiny G responds and leaves the sewer and finds Rob. But then he also endures the spasm of growth, bringing him up from about, you know, a foot and a half or so to match Rob's height. He's now four feet tall. So now what? Rob is fearful. And I think that that's probably a legitimate response. And so he yells at Tiny G or not as tiny Tiny G to stay back and not as tiny, tiny G growls in response, a louder quote, rough throated roar, but again of trust or sheer hate. Dun, dun, dun. And that is the end of that issue. And all I have to say, I mean, there's actually quite a bit that can be said about this. Um, it says for next issue Godzilla's New York adventure continues with among, among other improbabilities the brawl on the docks and we'll you know find out more about that that is something i do remember from my previous reading it's one of those moments that it was just kind of a ridiculous cool moment that it, it, you know um i like where they go with this because this is something that allows Godzilla to actually have some more interaction with our characters and you know here he's actually confronting rob and confronting rob eye to eye and they're on the same level and so there's some you know there's some good storytelling going on here and you know this is a uh, a logical place maybe to take the uh the concept of of godzilla into some new and fresh places you know a question that i've not been asking myself much as i've been reading through this i have some but not much is how does this compare to a godzilla movie uh or you know that's what i've talked about more but the question i'm kind of asking here that's that's popping up as i'm reading this is would this actually make a good godzilla movie and honestly i'm surprised that they haven't done this and I can't think of anything where they've shrunk Godzilla down. I can think of things where they've had small creatures like uh, uh Minia or whatever the, the name of the small you know baby Godzilla was, but I can't think of anything where they actually shrunk him down into like a, a honey. I shrunk the Kaiju kind of situation, but I think about it now and I'm thinking, honey, I shrunk the Kaiju. That's, that's not a bad idea. I mean, that, that actually could be a really, really good concept tiny G versus tiny things, you know, it could be a really good concept or it could be a really, really bad one, but yeah, let's take the bad side first. I mean, imagining I'm imagining a man in a rat suit fighting, uh, you know, a man in a Godzilla suit. And that does not sound great at all to me, period. You know, I, I just, I think about this and I'm, I'm picturing, um, you know, a the rodents of unusual size in Princess Bride, which is a man in a rat suit. And it's forgivable because in Princess Bride, it's a light fantasy comedy, fairy tale kind of thing, but not the kind of, I mean, not that Godzilla is the most re reality based, you know, thing ever when you have a man in the suit or whatever, but um, that doesn't sound good to me, but you know, I, I do think about some of the the puppet work that they did with some of the spider creatures that they have in Godzilla movies, or the Mothra um, larva form, and you know just different things like that. They they made it work with with uh, with the limitations, and I think that maybe even a possibility would be to use. Now I, again, I'm not thinking today's day with CGI and stuff. I'm thinking more you know '70s and, and early '80s, but to use like real rats. And like like Willard or or Ben, which I just recently watched, uh, those two movies Um, finally actually I I really have been waiting to see Willard and Ben, and they finally came out. I think it's Shout Factory that put them out on on Blu-ray, and uh, (laughs) they were they were just to put it briefly um, cheesy delights. I'll just put it like that. They're cheesy delights, and they worked well. Uh, anyway, a nice combination of puppets and um, man in suit and real animals and some really good editing. I think you could end up with a really neat Godzilla story, especially if you take like the model work that they do th- this, you know, meticulous model work in the cityscapes that they have in Godzilla movies. And they took that meticulous model work and did the same kind of thing only blowing up you know like a living room set and a sewer set and and that kind of thing or even a street side you know it just there could be some really really fun and interesting things that could be done with that that maybe would be new um now i'm just talking about something you know that didn't happen in 1977 or or whenever but it could have been neat could have been neat honey i shrunk the kaiju um but there's one other thing that I find myself asking and and that is Rob. I mean, I mean, come on, buddy. This is so much of this book. Oh, it just wouldn't happen without Rob screwing things up. Um, I mean, I have to ask, what's the deal with the trance here? And and like I said before, I I don't know if this is going to be picked up later, but, what's the deal with this kid and this weird kind of connection to, you know, inanimate objects and and giant death beasts. And I, I get what they're trying to do with the character. I mean, they're trying to do the same thing with Rob that they do with any kid character in, you know, Gamera and Godzilla movies. And that is, let's get a focal character that kids can relate to. But a lot of times that focal character just ends up being kind of a problem, a problem for everyone. And in this situation, is he lying about the trance? I, I I just don't I don't know, and it just sounds so stupid. And maybe they'll pick up on it, and and it won't sound as stupid, or maybe they won't touch on it ever again. But something, I mean, they obviously had to have Godzilla escape, and they had to have Godzilla. I mean you're not going to get what's on the cover. And the cover is a really cool cover of Godzilla fighting the rat. And that's not going to happen unless Godzilla can escape. But I much rather have Godzilla escape from, you know, his own strength and his own desire to get out rather than this weird trance thing that, that Rob is (laughs) claiming happened. I mean, maybe he's lying, but uh. the question I'm asking myself with Rob is, if I was a kid reading this, you know, going back to, you know, seven or eight year old Benji Avery, little Benji Avery, would little Benji Avery like Rob? And I just don't know. I would like to give little Benji Avery the benefit of the doubt and think that he wouldn't like this character. But then again, I mean, little Benji Avery wasn't he, he read what he had and he watched what he could. He didn't have all the choices that you know kids these days have, and I think he might have just liked it because it the only thing he had. Because I mean, little Benji Avery didn't have that many comics, and if he had this as a comic, he would have probably accepted it just because he had it as a comic. But anyway, <laughs> it's really frustrating because <laughs> I mean, it gets the plot going, but it's dumb. My final observation, and then we'll um close this one down and get ready for the next segment but um the title fugitive in manhattan it just suggests what i can't help thinking of e- e- muppets taking manhattan i mean that's where my mind goes jason in manhattan uh it just suggests to me you know show tunes and bright lights and there's none of that in this really there's just him fighting a rat which honestly um i would have rather we didn't have all the rob stuff And just go straight to the sewer. Just get Godzilla in there on page 5. And let the, the remaining 12 pages just be him fighting lots of rats or something. But I don't need the Rob stuff. I don't need the Jimmy Woo stuff. Just give me monster stomping action. And you know what? Tiny monster stomping action is just as good as giant monster stomping action. As long as it's there. And the way they did it here with the rat. Perfect. Monster versus monster. I mean, anything can be a monster if you're a small enough scale. So that is Godzilla issue number 18. And now the next segment will be John Carter, Warlord of Mars. So with all that said, I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, and I really appreciate you listening. I appreciate you sending any feedback you might have. Uh, You can send that to feedback at comicbooktimemachine.com, or you can leave a a note on the website, comicbooktimemachine.com, or you can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash comicbooktimemachine. And let me know what you think. Would Honey, I Shrunk the Kaiju be a movie you'd be interested in? I know I would. So until next time, again, thank you for listening, and Godzilla speed. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics, like Superman and Spider-Man, what ifs and else worlds the six million dollar man and batman comics seven days old and seven decades old on our main feed which you can find on itunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com we'd also love it if you join us on facebook at facebook.com or on twitter where we are at comic time next episode battle at the bottom of the world john carter warlord of mars issue number 20